You are listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg Driver. I'm joined by Rahul Johnny and Leon Everett. Let's go! Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. All the demons of Arkham are turning Gotham into the capital city of hell. Pandemonium in every sense of the word. Presiding over it all, Bane and his cabal, like Satan and his peers. And Batman's real torment is just beginning. A torment designed to specifically and brutally break him, mentally and physically. Not just kill the Batman, no. To utterly destroy him. Yes, that's right, we're back with Nightfall Part 2. Uh, and this is um, Ace Comicals Presents Nightfall Part 2, The Broken Bat. Uh, joining us today, we have Marv again as guest. Hello, hello, everyone. And uh, the usual um, suspect co-hosts, uh, Rahul. Evening, everyone. And Leon. Hey, hey. Don't know why, always point off to the left and right when I say your names. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like, look up like a Brady Bunch type thing? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> So yes, here we are to discuss Nightfall Part 2. Now today, uh, what we are hoping to do is to guide you through Batman Volume 1 issues 491 to 497 and Detective Comics Volume 1 issues 659 to 664. So depending on which version of the Nightfall... um, Depending on how you're reading Nightfall, which version of the Nightfall trades you have, uh, Omnibuy, whatever... Um, this is either approximately just halfway through, like it is in my volume, so you're either approximately just halfway through the first volume by the end of this, or, um, if you, if you have the collection that Marv has, then this is Nightfall Part 1, because the way that Marv is currently reading this, um, so, just to, just to kind of explain, so, um, the Nightfall, uh, storyline has been printed and released in several different ways. The versions I have are three big tomes where you've got Nightfall, Night Quest, and Night's End in three, which are the three sort of like main portions and the main ways that they group the Nightfall comics as it were. Um, Marv has the first, what is my first book is Marv's first two books. So Marv has what I have broken in half. How appropriately enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See what I did there. Yeah, so the, what we're going to discuss today is the uh, the, the first of the two storylines that make up the overall Nightfall um, portion of the Nightfall, Night's Quest, Night's End, Night, Nightfall saga, as it were. So uh, we're discussing the uh, the portion named Broken Bat. Uh, and with this episode, we aim to carry you all the way through this into the beginning of the next portion of the Nightfall thing, which is Nightfall Part 2, which, if you're reading it the way Marv is, is your second book, which is Who Rules the Night? Uh, the next story in line. Um, the version, like I said before, the version I have collects both stories as one volume, and it's, yeah, it's confusing. So we've, we've had this whole thing where it's been like, so what version of you, what version have you been reading? Because I, I, this is kind of my fault as a host because like peek behind the curtain time, I thought I had everybody on the same page, but obviously not. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, but everyone, it, it, right now we are all on the same page. We're fine. So we're good to go. Yes. Yeah, and so, in your defense, this is bonkers, the amount of different yeah, versions there are. Yeah, like, yeah. Just, I just wanted to point out the version that I'm reading off of Comixology includes a bunch of the stuff we discussed in the last episode. So, like, I think it was Vengeance of Bane and some of the Prelude to Nightfall stuff is in this volume. Um, yeah, you, you so, have a digital version of what I have. Right, okay. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, yeah, this is um, basically... So, so as we've kind of, like, touched on last time and as we as we we'll discuss as we get further into this and as we get into um the next few parts uh, of the, the the nightfall saga the the overarching thing that is nightfall um we, we basically what we're seeing here with these events that have been happening at the time uh, around this time and everything else is dc writers and editors using uh, this event as an excuse to explore the popularity and reception for more violent Batman, a Batman willing to kill his enemies, also exploring what it is that makes a good Batman and a good crime fighter or detective. Um, so obviously what we're going to see eventually is we're going to see Jean-Paul Valley taking up the mantle of Batman and we're going to move on from there with Jean-Paul Valley's tenure as Batman. But today we are focusing on uh, the breaking of the bat. So, um, I mean, as far as this goes, like Doug Moinch and Chuck Dixon have crafted this amazing journey down the spiral into what I see when I read these books, the true depths of hell, like almost as if Batman's entire career, this portion here, this is like, so last episode we finished on the Arkham breakout. We finished, uh, on the panel of Batman, screaming into the sky in frustration and and pure exhaustion and everything else i mean if you thought he'd been through the ringer after the last episode you wait until you you hear some of the stuff we've got to say he has to deal with this time because it gets intense so uh yeah like almost as if batman's entire career is flashing before his eyes he ha- he has to go through a gauntlet comprised of his entire rogues gallery in this weakened and beaten state um, like this marathon of violence and madness that just gets more and more and more intense. Like, and what I love about this is it, it, it is his whole career as a crime fighter up to this point laid bare in preparation for what is to come. Um, and we begin with the Mad Hatter. So after the Arkham breakout, um, the first of Batman's rogues to kind of like rear his head in uh, a significant way is the Mad Hatter. And um, we begin with a familiar scheme, um, this this kind of like relatively um, goofy Mad Hatter scheme, this this relatively goofy setup in a way. And, and, And from here, it slowly gets more dangerous. And with this like this Hatter scheme as well. There's something, uh, me talking about this whole thing showcasing Batman's entire career. There's something even like golden or even silver age about this and and in the way that Batman and Robin deal with it as well. But then that's tarnished in the amount of violence and everything else that's in it. It's like unpolished, uncared for silver. So the type of silver that would probably send Alfred off the deep end into a haze of Mr. Sheen and muttering rants about proper cleaning and care of such artifacts. But, you know, and it's just because the peril is intensified and it's so it's like it's a silver age scheme but it's it's brought forward into the dirty future if you understand what i'm trying to get at with the way that the hatter is is using his his you know 
his usual shtick of inviting people to a tea party and then putting them under some kind of mind control. Um, but there's like this long shadow to it and there's deeper darkness to it, this actual death. And obviously like later, so Batman is, 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 you know, he finds out about this scheme through listening out for weird crimes on the radio while he's driving around with Robin, (laughs) which is a little bit, I mean, that, that for me feels like silver age Batman and Robin a little bit. And, um, we have like this, uh, these this this like second stringer the uh the film freak um is uh kind of working with the hatter here and um so that the the film freak's whole thing is he does crimes based on famous films uh that's that's literally his whole thing and he was an arkham inmate and he likes to pretend he's characters in certain films so that's how he does what he does he he takes on the persona of a character from a film and acts like that character would and that's how he commits his crimes um and we are taken through this kind of like um, Mad Hatter experience. Uh, Batman barely manages to hold it together because he's already weakened and beaten and everything else that came from what he went through uh, with the prelude to Nightfall, the lead up to this, the things we discussed in the previous episode. Um, and we get the breaking of the film freak as a warning of what is to come. This is like, for me, the last signpost, if, if, if you will, screaming, turn back on the way to the edge of the cliff, you know, like, like forget about it. Just forget about it, Batman. Just give up and take up sewing, man. You just, just don't do it anymore. It's not worth it. (laughs) Bane's too big and too strong. So, um, let's, uh, let's dive into it. So, uh, we'll start with the guest Marv. So where are we at with you with this? Um, with this section, the 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 mad hat mad hat apart, um, like what strikes me most, like especially with our conversation that we had with the prelude to Nightfall and um the way that some of it sort of zigged and zagged, um, Vengeance of Bane being a very tight story, and then you had stuff with like um Black Mask being like uh, a bit wishy washy. Like we'll come back to it again and again as we carry on talking about the other sections of this uh, tome, but. Um, each um, inmate, each each rogue that Batman faces ties intrinsically back into Bane, back into the story, back into the plan, back into the gauntlet, and it's it's done it's done so well, so expertly that even though this moves at such a peg, it's almost like every panel is important. And I love that, like basically on page three of this, you've got the Mad Hatter, who it, you know for all intents and purposes is not like the highest level um batman villain you, you know you're not going to write home about oh i just saw uh, that mad hat is going to be in the new christopher loden movie or whatever but he's important in that he's you know he's looked up he's seen birds falcon and you know straight from there you're like birds on the case which means that bane is overseeing all of this like the uh, the all-seeing eye is there from page three of this giant story that we're going you know going on this adventure that we're going um, on did we did we say last time how much of a style icon bird is <laughs> <laughs> i remember you having a lot of love for his mullet <laughs> he looks like a young rod stewart i mean <laughs> even in the way he's dressed it's like he's wearing one of rod stewart's stage outfits i love it he's so like he's, he's a bit piratey he's got <laughs> He's got that bird <laughs> flying around with him. It's like, is the, but then you look at the other guys in Bane's troop. You look at, um, you look at Trog, 
who's just mm. just wearing military fatigues and then you look at zombie who's sharply dressed and you just think there's absolutely no need for it bird like honestly <laughs> it's like why he's definitely the most interesting of the trio he's the most flamboyant of the <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's got his Bit ruffled like... shirt a ruffled shirt i mean come on <laughs> Yeah, he's he's part um he's part funhouse um host, part pirate. He's he's really sort of rocking the split look. Oh my god, yes, if we were gonna do a live action it would be Pat Sharp. <laughs> yeah. It would be it would be late eighties, early nineties Pat Sharp to play to play Bird. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. So so yeah, I mean like birds like watching and it's all so what you were saying there marv is you were getting at the point that it was basically like we've had all the tributary trees like feed into one now single body of water and the water's running fast mm, we've, so, we've we're, we're coming to the lip of the waterfall exactly but we've got to the point now where it's all it's all one cohesive story rather than us getting several different chunks at a time story arcs um, this is all one big story arc now. It's not. It's not little bits that we have to dissect. Like like last time, it's not little bits and pieces in. Um, you know, and and we've got this. The overarching theme last time was Batman's exhaustion. But what we were getting is we were getting like little chunks here and there of different things of Batman dealing with different like loose ends hmm. that he was tying up almost in preparation for this gauntlet with Bane because what happens now begins with the outbreak the breakout at arkham and this is everyone just flooding onto the streets this is like gotham becoming pandemonium um and it's it's like it's part of the plan this is like bane bane has done this to to create a smoke screen so that he can observe batman which further cements my belief that bane is the true anti-batman like and also possibly Batman's most dangerous foe. Like, he's cold, he's calculating, he's a criminal mastermind, he's a master technician, he's the perfect match for someone such as Batman, the ever-prepared master detective, the meticulous planner. And, like, in the pages, as we'll see throughout this, like, when we move on from Hatter and we go into the other sections of this book, um, it's proven again and again that, that like, Bane is pretty much the anti-Batman. And he even has his own... Um, he even has his own his own allies like Batman would, hmm. and it's just um, yeah, it's just it's it's just mind blowing how people sometimes relegate Bane like in in their minds. Like if you talk to people uh, that are comic fans, that are movie fans, that that are Batman fans, people don't necessarily think of Bane as this this true match for Batman, this criminal mastermind, they're just like, oh, well, he's big and tough. And that's his thing. And people tend to put the Joker at the top of the pile as far as Batman's most dangerous foes go. But I actually think Bane's more dangerous than than the Joker because the Joker, while he is dangerous and while he is, you know, he he, he is a a criminal mastermind, he's, he's unbridled chaos. Whereas Bane, Bane is focused, focused to a sharp point. Hmm. And it's that that makes Bane so much more dangerous. And also the fact that the Joker, like, may know Batman's true identity, but do nothing about it. Whereas, you know, Bane's whole thing is that he wants to destroy the Batman, not like Joker, where Joker's whole thing is this unbridled chaos, this this, this wanting to have fun. Hmm. 
I mean, like, um, so we'll go around again as well. So, uh, Ray, like, I mean, what did you think to the Mad Hatter portion? Like, what was your take on, on all of this? Like, where does, where are you at with that? Yeah. It's interesting hearing you guys talk about like the whole, um, Silver Age, uh, like connections and stuff. Cause I don't really have a framework for that, but my initial thing was I was a little bit frustrated cause I went back and read the, the first, sorry, the, the previous issue where it ends on the, you know, the iconic, um, image of Batman screaming up to the sky in frustration. And I was hoping that it would dive directly into like more of that same focus. And it immediately felt like it was going to be a bit more procedural and like go into, you know, comic relief character of the week kind of thing. And I was relieved actually in the end to find that it does tie back into Bane the way that Marv was saying. Um, like overall, I really enjoyed this, this issue. I just think the first couple of pages sort of started me off on a worrying note, but then when it gets to the bits where like, um, like film freak is being attacked in the alleyway and like, you get these really cool panels of action where like Bane is throwing a bin at him and then smashes into the bit. Like there's some really, um, kinetic stuff going on in this. And it, yeah, I think it sets it off in a, in a good way. Uh, like I, I've tried to note down my favorite panels in each issue. And in this one, it's when he's holding um, Film Freak in his hands and then it's just a, like headbutts him and he says, it's, it's, such a, it's such a kinetic headbutt. It's, you right? feel that headbutt. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And I was like, this isn't going to go back into fluff mode. This is, this is really good. This is what I wanted. But it's the <laughs> juxtaposition between the hyperviolence of Bane taking out Film Freak and the mad hatter Mad-hatter in, having a tea party <laughs> yeah in, in in all his you know like goofy silver age villain glory with like his like pet chimp like one yeah. of his first actions <laughs> is to break out his pet chimp and then rob a haberdashery there's something and then like the, but the fight the very final image of this yeah. issue where it's like there's so many really good uh like portraits of batman just looking disheveled and upset and like tired and fed up and whatever and the the very final one is him like staring up into the sky like defeated or like knowing that he's got worse to come and it's just a monkey throwing a cup in the air in the background like (laughs) sets such a weird tone and like at first i was a little bit worried yeah a little bit worried but i think yeah uh greg to what you're saying like it that disquieting sort of um, juxtaposition it does feed in yeah it ultimately does feed in really well this ain't what you know anymore kind of thing like you're mm. you're through the looking glass for one of a better way <laughs> describing i'm not usually one to like jump in um and also not the one usually to bring up art but um one one of the things that i like about this issue as well being like the first issue that isn't the uh you know batman screaming into the sky is that um, it's Norm Brayfogle, and um, throughout Nightfall, he's my favourite artist. I know we've talked about this off-cast, um, Greg, about yeah. our, our favourite yeah. Nightfall artist, but like, I love the way I love the way he draws the characters. I love the expression, um, how expressive they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially there's there's panels where like uh, throughout this, where like Batman and Robin are talking in the Batmobile, and Batman's giving Robin the side eye, and it's just like a perfect cartoon art arched eye like there's so much sass in that look and everything um but also yeah. the um there's the way that um the paneling is done as well like rahul was saying there's um the moment that you cut back to bane uh while the the, the hat is preparing the tea party and bane's watching the tv and um, there's just literally four panels it's two tv panels a small panel of bane's eyes watching the tv and then a panel from the side of the room with him yeah. with his legs crossed and the remote on his uh, on his nose mm. and it's it's so well panelled like to yeah. me it feels like um, a film uh, storyboard like your eyes yeah. 
follow you can follow the camera dolly through the room if yeah. you were watching a movie from those four panels. It's just done so well, and it reminds me a lot as well um, of the um, the cuts to TV news that you get in um, the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. And I think that the character of this um, psychologist that you get throughout the book is almost like an illusion. Well, not almost like it's a very definite illusion to that. Well, that's what that is. It's totally, totally a nod to Dark Knight. Hmm. like with with all the tv stuff and and the uh this psych this pop psychologist being like i'm sane and so are you with his book you know simpson <laughs> flanders yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a name but yeah that's that's the whole point isn't it like and i think i'm pretty sure that that name isn't just picked out of thin air <laughs> <laughs> So Leon, where are you at with the uh, the Hatter stuff? Let's uh, let's get let's get your opinion on this as well. Yeah, I won't um, dilly dally too long because a lot more of the book to discuss. But I echo a lot of what you guys have said. I found that it's a good setup for this final run, and alluding to what comes later, how in comparison to the last books we were reading those felt like a bit more all over the place to give us a spread of Gotham and how the different functions and elements of the city and their infrastructure will, will, react, will react and how an outsider like Bane coming in can sit behind the sidelines and like tilt things off balance. And with this series of issues what's good about it is that they all are part of a greater whole and they feel more connected. And as you go through, as you say, and and as the book says, the gauntlet, there is a hyper-focus on just how badly worn down Batman is getting. Mm. And the way how it follows those feels so rooted in character and situation more so than the prelude stuff that we read before. So, yeah, I agree. It's, it's a great setup. I agree on the art paneling in this being really good and really, really focused, really intentional in what mm. it's doing. It isn't just framing awesome looking characters ready to like beat down each other but what it's doing is really getting us into the head of some of these characters uh, particularly Batman and Bane but also showing us how tenuous everything is and how unstable things have become ready for Bane to swoop in and sort of claim his place on the throne uh, I do particularly uh, love the TV stuff, as you guys have said, because, yeah, one, you have the allusion to Dark Knight Returns, but I also love it because it has this almost cool way. I mean, in a way, it's almost on the nose and didactic, but in other ways, it's not because it gives us more of a flavor of the heartbeat of the of the city i would say because generally in these type of stories we spend a lot of time with the bat um batman and his cohorts and then the villains but we don't really get much time with regular gotham people so i do like how that can be 
a standing and give us a sort of temperature of how everyone's feeling. And it mm. is it's it's funny to read, especially like when this book is written and sort of the attitudes, but like this Simpson Flanders guy who's always like pimping his book, he seems to be like all about that mental health. But he reads like some hippie not taking dangerous criminals seriously. It's almost like the sort of stereotypical from then, like liberals not being tough on crime and worrying about the feelings of mass murderers. So there's a lot of interesting stuff going on that feels rooted in its era of publication Hmm. and gives us a, a bit of a view into sort of the general attitudes at the time, but also like diegetically in the world of Gotham, it makes so much sense and it creates a good like dichotomy between everybody else's relationship with, with Batman, not just his with Bane, etc. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great jumping on point from the awesome setup of having everyone break out of, of Arkham. Mm. And like, I, I, we know, I mean, like, cause I just wanted to jump on uh, what Marvel was saying about Norm Brayfogle and like Norm Brayfogle's work in this, throughout this whole thing is, is absolutely gorgeous. And there's not a lot to choose between him and Aparo, I must say, but <laughs> I, I'm a Jim Aparo guy and uh, we'll find out why when we get, further into this and later on. Um, but like the other thing actually to jump off one of the points that Leon made about ordinary people of Gotham and, and how the, you know, like when I'm reading this, when I'm reading these, uh, the, these stories here, um, when I'm reading this, this nightfall book, I'm, I'm reminded of just how small a part of Gotham Batman actually is. And, and like the, the role of the GCPD is so huge in this. Like, we we see a lot of Bullock. We see a lot of um, Montoya. Montoya. We see, yeah, we see a lot of um, a lot of Commissioner Gordon. Like more so than I've seen in a lot of other Batman stories. It's like it's like the role. It's like Batman compare is, is you are reminded of how small Batman actually is, and how Batman is just one man. Hmm. And I'm, su- I'm surprised how much of the mayor you see in this as well. Like, oh, yeah, you yeah. don't often see the mayor of Gotham in stories. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? It's it, but it all serves to to kind of like highlight a greater, you know, the the fact that Batman is just one man and he's not infallible, which mm. is a main thing that needs to be. I think that's a story beat that they needed to to get across and to drill into people's minds in order for the next few parts of this to be to be anywhere near believable. Uh, because, because I mean, a lot of people like, I mean, Batman, Batman's just one man. He's not a God, but people lift him to that level. He is lifted to that level with his participation in the Justice League and, you know, rubbing shoulders with people like Wonder Woman and Superman, like rubbing shoulders with Diana and Clark and, and being raised to that level it being present in the hall of justice and being a member of the justice league he's he's not like these others he's not he doesn't have superpowers and things but but you kind of forget that when you see him standing shoulder to shoulder with the others and then in these books it's made painfully clear hmm. and um 
Yeah, so, I mean, if we move on now to the next section. So, we were... So we've had the Arkham breakout. Um, we've dealt with the Hatter. Where's Batman's next stop? Batman's next stop was Amygdala and um, the uh, Ventriloquist, who is probably one of my favorite Batman rogues, actually, the Ventriloquist. And and the way they deal with him in these books is absolutely fantastic. Like, I love this whole thing where um, it's not just um, Scarface. He, he can... Anything that can be a puppet can can be one of his personalities made manifest, and like the you know him listening to the puppet and things like that. I think it's just brilliant. Um, and like this this whole thing with him in this toy shop with amygdala, who is basically this this giant baby who's had his brain experimented on, who's you know he has real anger management issues, <laughs> hmm. and um. Yeah, so so uh, where are we at with this one? So this one was called Puppets. Uh, the previous one was called um, Crossed Eyes and Dotty T's. So Puppets. So yeah, the, uh, this is um, Ventriloquist striking up a friendship with Amigdala in hopes of finding Scarface. So he's, this is like part of... Um, the, this is something that goes on in the background of a lot of it, actually. The Ventriloquist's uh, quest to find Scarface again. Um, so... Yeah, and he in he has a sock, <laughs> he, like literal sock puppet, and the sock is like the sock is calling the shots. It's hilarious. Um, so yeah, we also get to Batman actually goes to the scene where Film Freak was murdered, and like obviously he gets to see the carnage. And like I said, this is like the the signpost telling him to turn back and everything. So Marv, where are you at with this stuff with the ventriloquist? Um, this one is, it It doesn't loom as large in my mind, like thinking back on my history with Nightfall and rereading it this time. Um, this one story-wise doesn't seem as important, but again, every single section feeds into the gauntlet and it, it still, it, it really touches a nerve with, um, like you said, with him finding Film Freak and like, you know, Robin standing in the background while he's describing that every bone in his body was broken and like Robin's just yeah. so shaken by it. Yeah. Um and, and to go back to the artwork as well, the 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 panel of them um swooping down on the scene of the crime and their capes sort of merging together into this one sort of framing uh a, a series of spikes is really, really good. Really, really yeah. nice. Yeah. But um like like the when when you get to um the toy shop and um uh, ventriloquist and uh, amygdala like the whole point of it is um again just accentuating how hurt Batman is because like Normally, someone as huge and lumbering as Amygdala would never be able to sneak up on Batman. But, exactly. like, he's just there behind him before Batman knows what the hell's happening. Yeah. Um, and you get, like, uh, again, no secret, Tim Drake, my favorite Batman. You've got Norm Brayfogle, my favorite artist in this. Um, so in the, in the moments where he's um, going to confront Bird... And you've got those just wonderful panels of um, Robin sort of channeling his, channeling his inner Batman and having his face all in shadow with just like the, the, the white eyes and the grin, the, the manic grin. I love that stuff. Yeah. Even though he does end up sort of getting his ass handed to him. I love that fight just because you get to see him sort of almost practicing to be out on his own and trying to intimidate his enemies and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Some good stuff in this. Um, Leon, you want to jump in? No, I was just seconding that, really. Uh, the Robin stuff in this is really cool. Yeah. And I mean, 
the I think this one's really good early on for just showing Batman taking an utter beating. <laughs> and I love how you have a mirroring between Robin getting beaten up, Batman getting beaten up. It like reminds me of the previous issue where you had uh, us mirroring Batman and Bane in their respective battles, yeah. showing how similar they are, but with their fundamental differences on display because Batman like beats down, but like Bane kills and breaks every bone in the body. So it's a good setup. And here it's really showing a, a kind of fracture in the Bat family, which, um, cause Batman's really on a, uh, like step, stay outside. Like I'll do this alone. And Robin is really noticing just how, Batman's head and body are just not in it, but there's nothing really he can say to make Batman listen. Yeah, and and it's this this whole um, how Angry Bird gets when Robin captures Bird's bird. He's <laughs> like, got him in the cave. He's like, don't hurt him. Like, You'd better not have harmed a feather on his head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's great though. Like, I I love. Um, I love I love what this issue highlights in the fact that if Batman is is struggling to to deal with with these guys, like how is he ever going to be able to take down some of the more prominent members of the Arkham club? You know, it's like he's this is this is already like it's, but it's like it's it's laboring, it's painful, it's intense. If I mean, like, I don't know if anybody else did, but I was tempted to count the amount of times throughout these these comics that Batman mentions he's got a broken rib, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or he hears a rib pop or a wet pop. It must be a rib. You know, it's like, ha- has he got any ribs left? Like, <laughs> is his chest cavity just like bone Jelly. meal? Like, <laughs> it's it's just it's insane. He's held um, upright by the suit. He's like tapped in there like a corset and if you yeah. loosen it he'll just fall <laughs> apart yeah exactly yeah <laughs> when he uh when he goes back to the cave um alfred is just putting like bamboo sticks against <laughs> him and like cable ties holding him together cable ties and bamboo <laughs> um where i mean what do you make of this one ray like yeah so uh so obviously i'm the the newcomer to this story and i didn't I, I guess I did know uh, generally how revered this book is, but I didn't really fully know the legacy. So I was, this is the issue that confirmed to me that it's not just soap opera storytelling and like there's a genuine craft to it. And I suppose that sounds quite dismissive, but it comes from a place of ignorance <laughs> on my part. So putting my hands up there, but like the, the, the scenes where we have the Lieutenant and like, he's covered in these moody pink and blue hues, uh, like mm. you know, that really, that really cool tone that they, they have. And like the dynamism of Batman and Robin talking in the Batmobile, like back and forth, discussing stuff as they're on their way to tackle the next big problem. Um, like that, that stuff comes off really well. Um, and like gives a really good sense of pace and like how they, they just don't have time to breathe and they just have to keep going and fixing, you know, from problem A to problem B to problem C. Um, and then I liked that this one took the time to show that uh, Bane's crew weren't just taking the stories of Batman's like mythos for granted. Like they were taking their time to, as we've already seen in the previous ones, but they, they were stopping to like properly assess how he, uh, you know, how he tackles problems, how defeated he is. And like waiting for the, mo- like genuinely waiting for the moment that he's 
uh, torn down enough that they can attack him. And it's clearly not now because it's the beginning of the book. Um, <laughs> and then also uh, just mirroring this to the end where like Amygdala picks him up and like there's, there's only one iconic image I really know from this entire series and it's Bane breaking Batman's back. And it's to see, to see this early on another hulking villain, like be, be even get to the point of being able to pick Batman up. It's like, Oh God, there's something really wrong with him at this moment, you know? Mm. Um, and like, I think it sells it this early on that he's, that he's that tired. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I think uh, my favorite page in this one is this, this, like full page splash here of, of Batman and the chaos in the toy shop with amygdala's head coming flying through <laughs> an advert for brandy dolls. <laughs> and again, it's still taking time to have some moments of comic relief, which I think yeah. like taper off uh, towards the end, but like it still finds the time to scatter a few bits of it in to just like lighten the tone and make you think everything's going to be okay. But you know, we know <laughs> where it ends up. Just the sheer slapstick of that page and like Norm, Bray Fogel's work here on on creating this full page splash of action with no borders where it just seamlessly blends like one point into the next hmm. and it's just absolutely amazing like I love that page so much <laughs> I think my favorite page is a few after that where it's um like a split diagonal of Robin being clocked in the face by Bird and yeah. like Batman being thrown to the ground by Amygdala like just yeah. the, the the color differences between those is, yeah super and, cool and, that, that and, is uh, a great page as well and Robin's note to Batman went bird watching. <laughs> you see the, the the page after that one that you mentioned, Rahul. Though mm. um, one thing, obviously, reading this younger, um, you don't pick up on all of sort of the artistry, but just the borders that are used on the panels in that mm. to um, to show sort of the pain and the impact. So, like where yeah. Amygdala starts getting his headache, it's like really thick black sort of um, scratchy lines and then when Batman you know clocks him in the back of the head it's it's a sharp pain it's a it's a one hit impact rather than the headache yeah. so it's just storytelling through the panelling brilliant stuff and and the bit with um, basically they're fighting on top of the uh, the railway set like like kaiju <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> which I think is awesome framing but yeah um, and if you're gonna if you're gonna have a fight in a toy shop have fun with it hmm like that must have been such a fun scene to write and draw. Like I can mm. only imagine. Um, so, I mean, like one thing that I did want to bring up is like the interiors of these books are so great, but the covers, the covers stuff of legend, stuff of legend. <laughs> well, yes and no. <laughs> I can't say I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of a lot of the cover work here in this, in this series. And it's because I, I just have like a real love hate relationship with Kelly Jones. Hmm. Like, I, I mean, like I love his art in black and white. I was saying this to you guys earlier when we were discussing this, like getting ready for the show. Hmm. I was saying to you guys, uh, that although I really love, um, his, uh, like his work and I love watching it in black and white, and and looking at it in black and white, what I when it gets coloured, there's just something that that it just makes it just. I don't like it. <laughs> it just it just <laughs> doesn't look right to me, and it just doesn't. It feels like I know a lot of people are probably going to lampoon me for this, but it just feels like completely like there's something missing from it. When once it's coloured, it just loses something, and it feels cr- like. Um, almost as if there's there's 
borders for things where there shouldn't be borders or where there wasn't originally borders. And it's like nothing is like the edges of gloves, for example. Like if we look at the um, the, the famous cover uh, with Bane with Batman kind of like bent over his knee. Um, like you look at ba- you look at Bane's fingerless gloves and you just look at where his gloves end on his hands and things like that. And it just it just there's just so many bits in it where I look at it and. I know that it's it's exaggerated and it's hyper and it's it's extreme. It's the extreme uh, comics coming through with this these kind of like hyper muscular dudes and whatever. Like this this thing in the nineties where things began to get more extreme and things like that. It's just I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, what about you, Ray? I mean, what do you think of the covers on this? Like, it, it, throughout this, actually, we're just discussing the covers now. Just throughout, like, what do you make of that? I mean, I'll be honest, I wasn't paying super attention to it, but like generally I, d- I wasn't that impressed with them, if I'm being honest. That specific one you're talking about just now, like looking at the uh, like the gloves blending into the arms, I never really picked up on that. I thought the, the silhouette of that, that cover is pretty great, actually. But there's some further on, like the issue that we were just talking about where we were going to get into the um, issue where it's Zaz taking over the uh, like the women's institution or whatever it was. Yeah, the school. Um, yeah, like that that cover doesn't really stand out to me. Like none of them have really stuck in my head apart from the the you know Batman bent over the the knee one. Yeah. Um <laughs> Batman bent over Bane's knee. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm willing to say I'm willing to the, the, I think the Zass cover is the best one of the better ones. Hmm. Like hmm. But I mean, like Marv's going to disagree now. Marv's going to say he loves the Kelly Jones covers. Yeah, Marv, put your defense on. <laughs> yeah, go on. Marv. <laughs> I mean, they are great covers. I, I'm not. I'm not going to um, sort of capitulate and you know sort of play the. Uh, uh, you know, you got a good point there. You do have a good point. Um, I will say the 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 color bleed of the um, fingerless glove on that Bane cover. I'd never notice it until you mentioned it just now, and I've been reading this comic um, like over and over again for the past like 28 years. I've never noticed that before in my life. I've ruined it for you. <laughs> but like like the framing, like you said, work probably does work better as you've shown on some of the stills that you yeah. showed works better in black and white. Yes. Meant to be black and white, but when they're coloured, I don't think they're overcoloured. I don't think they're coloured garishly. I don't think they're miscoloured. I think, no. yes, think much like, um, you know, oh God, what is it? The Mist, where you've yeah. got a movie that is released in colour and then it's released in black and white and the director says, this is the way it was meant to be viewed. Both versions work. They work in completely different ways. Yes. Much like um, Logan with the, the noir version of Logan. Completely different movie when you watch it the second time with the, uh, the different color grading. But I don't think the coloring, much as it can do with other things that are colored after an artist who works primarily in black and white works on it, it's not ruined by the color. I don't think it's overworked. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm, I wasn't saying it would be overcolored or, or garishly colored or whatever. I just, I just feel like it loses something. Hmm. I'm not saying it's completely ruined. I just think the coloring has kind of like taken something out of it as in it just, it, I don't know. Like it, I, I start to see points that, that basically I start to see a lot of things that I don't necessarily like about nineties comics art. I don't know what it is, but that's just me. <laughs> um, and uh, like Leon opinions on covers, if you have any, <laughs> I don't really feel as strongly about it, but there is, like, there is a thing with the era these books came out of where you would get a mixed bag like this, and I think that some of these covers 
in their like framing and everything uh, are cool, and some don't really leave an impact on me. Yeah. And yeah, so not to be on the fence or anything, but I just don't really have any strong feeling on them. Mm. I I do feel some of them are like awkward, but then that's just what I remember from what comics were like back then. Yeah. But then I think some of them are cool and like they're relating to something iconic and like distilling it. And I think in, in that way they do work, but um, I've never really a fan of a lot of the color and work of this era too with covers. So I guess maybe, I don't know. I'm I, Maybe I'm more towards your side, Greg, but I'm just, I don't really have any strong feelings because I think yeah. some of these are cool. Like the, the rats on Batman's face for a later issue. That yeah. one's that one's cool. Oh, yeah. That one's that's cool. One's one of, that's that's one of my favourites. Yeah, yeah. And the Zass one's cool. I like the Zass one. Hmm. Um, but there's just a few of them that I just I can't. I can't. I like get, the Poison yeah. Ivy one as well. Yeah. Hmm. There's just some that I just can't. I can't say like, and it's 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 my love hate relationship with Kelly Jones. It's art like some of it's absolutely fantastic, like gorgeous. Uh, really great in black and white, but then some of it, it I don't know. It just it's it's hit and miss, man. Like I couldn't decide earlier whether I really like it or not. It's, but yeah, I mean, I think this is just this is just my opinion. Like I've always I've always felt that with the strength of the artwork inside with Norm Brayfogle and Jim Aparo, and then like I always felt like it might just it, it's probably just a stylistic thing because I know he has a very that, that Kelly Jones has a very distinct style and he does this exaggeration, this this almost caricaturization and and like cartooning with characters and you can see that in like the, the the muscle structure that he puts on and uh on characters and things like that and the way that he exaggerates certain features of batman like drawing the ears on the cow longer and all that kind of stuff but like i i think i think that's just me edging more towards enjoying the realism of norm brayfogle and jim aparo because they keep it a little bit, a little less exaggerated. And I think I, I think in this, at this point in time, exaggeration was something that I like in the, like, especially with, with the way exaggerating was, exaggeration of art was going in the nineties with the way that the cartooning was going when, when they were doing this exaggeration, this over musculature and everything else. I think, I think that's just a stylistic thing for me. Like my, my opinion is that stylistically I prefer the other stuff, but that's, I think that's just me. I think I'm, I think that's my opinion and, and should take it with a grain of salt, but there we go. <laughs> well, um, being, being like both of the artists that you mentioned are like yeah. our, our joint top two with the, you know, Jim Aparo and uh, Norm Brayfogel. I, I, I would agree completely. Yeah. Um, I think that style and um, for, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Kelly Jones um, did work on what I'm thinking of, but like that style works better with like the more Gothic stories like Batman vampire yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so it has its place and it works in its place. That's what I mean. Kelly Jones was Batman Vampire and Batman Vampire is stunning. But then mm. Kelly, but then like, I don't feel that Kelly Jones, maybe I just don't feel the covers fit the books. I don't know. Maybe mm. that's what mm. it is. Maybe that's my issue. Um, but anyway, speaking of issues, we're moving on now to uh, Batman Volume 1, number 493, which uh, break out your Casios and your 80s synth slasher soundtracks for Red Slash. <laughs> <laughs> So this is um this is Batman very aware that he's in trouble and um 
he's knows that he's he knows at this point that Bane is is has done this on purpose to try and mess him up um so that you know he will be in a weakened tenderized state ready for four seconds on each side in a pan um and uh Victor Zass turns up at a uh, a boarding school for girls um and Victor Zaz is doing as Victor Zaz is wont to do, which is killing people and then scarring himself to to commemorate the occasion. Um, and it it really is framed and like the way that this plays out and and you know the the whole framing of this book, the whole framing of this section, the, the even the coloring with these kind of like um, like it's just it's, the whole thing is a it's a slasher movie and like you've got these these angles in certain panels where it's it's complete vertigo and it's just like the whole thing is built as kind of like a a neon pinks and and blues and the whole thing is just built from the ground up as this kind of like homage to like um 80s thrillers i guess uh with the way that the whole thing is is constructed on a, a a script level and the way it plays out and and what you know what zas does and how zas is like creeping around the hallways of this school and he he's got his um his victims all kind of holed up in one room like petrified and then he's just kind of like cre- creeping around the school and and picking off the cops that dare venture in and all the while, Bane's like sitting and watching the whole thing, and you know everyone's like asking, you know, saying to Bane that Batman's ready, and Bane's like, "No, nah, he's not quite ready yet." As if they're looking at a pie in the oven, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not brown enough on the top. Yeah, Come exactly. Back in ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it, give it another five. Um, <laughs> but it's just like <laughs> the whole thing's perfect, um, and there's some really gorgeous pages in here. So I mean, like Marv, like your opinion on this one zass one of my favorite parts of the book not my favorite uh, but like top top five um issues i like like you were saying like the 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 coloring the artwork the framing um the 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 mood the slasher movie mood of it is brilliant um one thing i love is um this is i think the start um of uh the constant of batman's internal monologue telling you that he's um like heading for trouble as you said like yeah. some of the lines in this it opens up with racing for the gra- racing for my grave already dead like <laughs> that's a way to open a comic yeah <laughs> and then on the next page um like it's an unfortunate panel because i don't i really don't like it the um him seeing bane's face in the rain of the windshield but um in that panel he tells you that basically that he knows exactly what bane's plan is he knows that he's running the gauntlet but he also knows that he can't let himself stop running it he has to do this because no one else is going to do it for him um but what i think the thing that struck me struck me most rereading this um is coming to it with the knowledge of other media that I've consumed in the, you know, in the past like decade. So like the whole um, situation with like Zess and um, the, the, the girls, the cops trying to make their way through and getting picked off reminded me so much of the Zess section in um, Batman Arkham Asylum, the video game. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously this is framed. The game must be framed so much on this and obviously probably other Zess stories that I haven't read, but um like I, I had that weighing so much on my mind when I was rereading this. Um, and like for 
for uh, for myself, and I don't know how much it was for you, Rahul, the moment when um, the second cop goes in and finds Axton's body, and he's coming up to him from behind, lifts his head, and he's got like a huge gash on his neck. All I could think of was the Resident Evil 2 remake <laughs> when he found the cop in the liquor corridor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not my usual go-to touchstone, but yeah, I see it. <laughs> yeah, totally. The the strongest girl, the the girl that's like trying to lead the uh, the sort of um, I was going to say revolution. That's not the right word. Um, <laughs> trying to fight back against Zez. She reminds me so much of like the way an X Men character's face would be proportioned. She like she looks like yeah. Psylocke. She looks like nineties X Men character. You know? Yeah. 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 Definitely. <laughs> so those those are the main things that stuck in my head uh the, and obviously sorry i should mention at the end when um batman is sort of um facing against zaz um and zaz is doing like the sort of the mentalist thing of like getting in his head and like you're just like me we're not so we're not so different you and i but like he gets in batman's head he gets in the greatest detective's head so yeah. much so that Batman nearly beats him to goddamn death. Yeah. Like, but and I think it's um, a couple of pages before when Bane's like, his body is broken, but his mind is still strong. I need to wait until his mind is weakening. And literally at the end of this issue, you see that Batman's mind is not where it's supposed to be. Batman doesn't go this far as much as Zack Snyder would, you know, disagree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's it's a shocking moment to see Batman go that far. Or to mm. even entertain the idea of going that far, like that's how you know he's at the edge of his, like his abilities because he's he's even like, um, like enter he's that he's even entertaining it. It's you know, it's mad, isn't it? It's uh, <laughs> it's great and <laughs> and like this is this is the point we're making. So it's like we're actually seeing like I mean like all these people, all these these. Uh, these rogues that would have been dealt with so deftly at one point by Batman, like he would have had the Hatter wrapped up in seconds. He would have had, you know, like he would have, he knows the modus operandi of these people. He would have had them dealt with and and done and, and locked back away. But, but what we're seeing now is we're seeing him struggle with, with, with villains that he's already faced that we, he's got a track record against that. We know that Batman can, can take these guys down and like, it's just a great way of showing it. And I, I, Again, like the framing of this is just absolutely is one of my favorite things. Um, so, Leon, any any opinions on Zaz? Yeah, I've got to say one of my favorite onomatopoeia noises is Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, beyond that, um, yeah, I, I do like how, especially for the time, this slasher thing does have a a bit of an extra wrinkle with it where the women are just not victims and instead it's a range of different women of different opinions yeah. and one of them is very much like we can't just be can't take this line down we have to have to fight we're not all probably going to make it but we we have to fight we can't just wait until the cops get here yeah and i, d- I did I did appreciate that and i'd forgotten about that particular element but um, otherwise, there's a lot of cool purples in this, which mm. I always appreciate. <laughs> and it's it's really it's like cool because it's outside in the rain, and it's all the cops uh, trying to like negotiate and not storm the place because they don't want to risk the hostages. But I love how it gives this sort of 
sort of futuristic noir vibe having yeah. it be purple. I love there's a great um there's a great feel to it. Mm. Yeah, it almost feels a bit like Judge Dredd. That's that's what I kept feeling. <laughs> I love I love the fight in the darkness. The, the the paneling and the way that that fight plays out. Um, this is the bit where you were talking about, Marv, where Batman goes too far. And we get mm. these these lovely wet crunch, clunch, thack, thock, clunch, <laughs> where he's like beating ass half to death. Mm. Um, but it's just like this beautiful fight with these kind of like pyramid and, and, and trapezium and triangle um, fast moving panels, like the speed that that indicates and, and the fact that we're in the dark and Zass is like attacking him from like all different angles. Like I can imagine how this would play out in a movie. Um, and it, it's just fantastic. And the coloring as well, that it's all in these kind of like these blues, these cold blues, because we've got like a cold killer and then these red words, these red impact words. Hmm. These onomatopoeia and lettering, like Bratch, where uh, Zas hits a chalkboard, I think it is, and and like, oh yeah, <laughs> I think I think Cunch Cunch is is one is like my favourite, um, or is it Clinch? I think it's Cunch. Cunch, it's, like the, it's Yeah, the and wet it, Cunch, it, <laughs> like it, when he's it, punching it, him in the head, and like yeah. That that particular one, and especially because it's you know it's it's framed as like yeah. in blood. It always makes me think of um, it's a really deep cut. But you know, like in like sixteen bit like side scrollers, like yeah. Streets of Rage and stuff. Yeah, like the really heavy hit sounds that you get in that sort of game. It always makes me think of that. Yeah, and it, I I see that panel, and do you know what I see with his green eyes? Hmm. I see Spawn. <laughs> 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 do you see it? I can see it now. I yeah. can't unsee it now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, moving on from there, we've got um, like, so the next issue is uh, we're back to Detective Comics. We've got a break from the Kelly Jones covers um, with a more sort of like a, a more stylized, more cartoony cover here. This one is uh, Sam Keith. And this is like, for me, has echoes of um, uh, like Kevin Eastman type stuff. Um. And it's um, it's not my favorite cover. <laughs> and, uh, it's um, it's basically Bane versus Croc round two, and uh, Robin kind of caught in the middle of it because Bane, Robin, Robin is tailing Bird still uh, after the end of the uh, the previous time that Robin and Bird face off. Um, Robin is tailing Bird still and Robin tails Bird all the way back to Bane and you have that whole point on the uh, that's great that is by the way those panels where they're on the, the train hmm. on top of the train and then and then Bane comes up behind Robin and grabs him and then that's that and then like uh, they end up in the sewer um, and I think Bane is is he is he uh, I can't remember what he's attempting to do with Robin like I can't I couldn't is he attempting to use him as bait, or um, he's, he just... he's deciding? He's deciding what to do with him. Like yeah. at, at first, he's basically, I I'm going to use you for information. You you intrigue me, boy. Like, yeah. why would Batman have a child as his sidekick? Tell yeah. me more about him. Tell me more about his weaknesses. Give me information that's useful for me. I could break you at any moment. Um, yeah. And because he's being so defiant, he's just getting yeah. more and more sort of frustrated with him. And then and then he decides he's probably just going to kill him just to fuck with Batman, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, at this point, um, we've got, like, 
Bane versus Croc part two with this really visceral fight with Bane like breaking Croc's arms again while they're still in casts. It's horrible. <laughs> and and like uh, we get like a, a sort of a glimpse, a first kind of glimpse at Bane's weakness here as well because Croc manages to um, nail Bane's venom supply hmm. um, and, and realizes what it is that's, you know, keeping Bane going, like kind of takes, takes him off the juice a little bit and that kind of helps. Um, and, uh, it's a great issue again for kind of like showcasing the brutality and the savagery of Bane, just watching him take down Killer Croc, who pre Bane was probably Batman's most physically, one of Batman's most physically imposing opponents, hmm. I guess. Um, and I mean, like Killer Croc had a stint as a crime boss as well. So criminal mastermind and physically imposing in a way. So it's kind of like Bane again then they're using killer croc to show bane's power and and um brutality and also crocodile wrestling alligator wrestling so <laughs> <laughs> there we go and uh yeah it's a near-death experience for robin so um just briefly with this one where are we sitting at with this one uh marv first sorry um i mean i'll be super quick with this one yeah. um norm brayfogel robin centric i love that um there's not much more to say that you haven't said um bane versus croc 2 is great like you said the fact that um, even though he's psychologically completely just completely broken from the last battle he has enough cunning to remember that bane bulked up from the venom the last time they fought so he takes that out first yeah. i like that and uh, Norm Brayfogel can't half do a grimace. Like the faces that Robin's pulling when he's trying to rip through his um, yeah. his, yeah. his bonds. That's, that's amazing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, but yeah, and, that's, that's, that's basically all I have to say about this. Yeah. And it's also, again, it's like a, 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 a shadow and a prelude of things to come because what Bane has done to kill a croc from the previous time he fought croc and from fighting croc again now is, is like he's broken him physically and psychologically. Mm. And this is this is like all things that are going to happen to Batman. It's like it's like we're looking at the, all the things that are going to happen to Batman, and we're looking at them happen to different characters across different books, like with Film Freak, for example, and now this with Croc. Again, uh, Ray, what about you? What's your opinion here? Yeah, my big takeaway from this is like I love the opening where it shows uh, like Bane walking through the empty streets and sort of reveling at his effect on Gotham. Um, mm. I thought that that's pretty cool. And uh, then also just the moment where like Robin's got uh, like a mask on his face uh, being covered up while uh, Bane and Croc are fighting. And then like he gets his hood torn off at some point and it's just Croc staring him in the face. And it's like a, a proper um, horror movie reveal where you get like a good close up of like all uh, Croc's dripping teeth and red eyes and stuff. I thought that's that's a really cool moment. <laughs> and Leon finally yeah once again I'll just echo all of what you guys have said I quite like the colour palette of this in the sewer how you got a lot of different types of blues mm. and I think it works well against like in the background of the characters and obviously it's like a sewer filled with water so you get like a lot of good sort of extra widescreen panels where we see a bit more of the makeup of the sewer and it gives us like a a bird's eye view, not really a bird's eye view, but like a good vantage point of 
what's all around these people and what's at stake, especially after Robin wakes up and he's blindfolded. You can feel the danger with them standing on that thin bricked passage that just looks like it's made to break. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool. And I think the build up with Croc coming out and then starting the fight with Bane and the page that Marv mentioned where we're the it's just panels getting closer and closer to Robin's face and he's digging deep to push him like he starts it off with his hands being numb and saying, I can't do it but he's like, You have to and you can see him sort of taking a leaf out of Batman's book and finding that extra pool of uh to share will and determination to to get yourself out of a sticky situation it's it's the classic comic book thing when it comes to these heroes and we have like iconic panels of people like spider-man doing the same and i just love when whenever that happens that's a very like comic 101 thing that i just love to see again and again (laughs) yeah great stuff that um so the next book is Night Terrors, which is the one with um, this is kind of like the beginnings of the uh, the Joker Scarecrow portion of all of this, which is like basically the thing that takes us through the the end goal. Um, and uh, we've got here. Um, so this is like Robin's escape from the fight where Croc and, and Bane are still fighting. Robin is like zipping through the sewers underwater, trying to trying not to drown um trying to keep himself um from being sucked into gotham harbor and he's like um he uses the bat rope and he uses his his uh he tries to use his uh staff as well um and also this is like we get cornelius sturk pop up who um he likes to make his victims feel fear and then he eats their hearts for the norepinephrine um which is what powers his ability to make himself appear as other people um, his kind of like, I guess it's like a psychic ability. Um, and, uh, Cornelius Sturk, the Joker turns up at Cornelius Sturk's door and decides he's going to work with Sturk. Um, Sturk's too unpredictable though. And Sturk has a one track mind and decides he's going to go after, um, the, um, he's going to go after Commissioner Gordon, which the Joker doesn't like. And, uh, he decides to just leave Sturk to it and, and let Sturk get caught by Batman because by this point, Batman's already on his uh, on his case. He's seen the victim in the dumpster and everything else. Um, and um, yeah, we've uh, we've also got like the ongoing little bits of Batman's therapy here with Chandra consolving and things like that. And um, yeah, so I mean, like the the basically Batman is reminded of Sturk having dealt with Zass. So what he does is he's like, I wonder what, St- I wonder if Sturk, no, where's Sturk kind of thing. And he goes like, he's like, let's look for anomalous uh, sightings of historical figures, I guess. Um, <laughs> and he's like, you got all these like weird sightings of like all these historical figures across Gotham. And he's like, yeah, that's Sturk. And that's how we know he's going after him. And it, long story short, it ends with, um, I think it does this one now end with, um, is, is this is where the Joker decides he's going to sort of like buddy up with the Scarecrow, isn't it? By the end of this yeah. one, yeah, yeah, and uh, that's when they decide they're going to do their little bit and go after the mayor. But obviously, they're like dogs chasing cars. Like 
they they don't know what to do with it when they've got it. They've got all this power and they're not really like, they don't really know what to do with it. And this is the difference between those two and Bane, which is what I was getting at at the beginning. Um, so what I'll do is I will, I don't think that one is totally significant other than the fact that we now have this partnership going on between the Joker and, um, the Scarecrow and, uh, we've got everything that's coming next. Cause that's setting us up for kind of like the big drop. Mm. Yeah. Uh, which is coming up now. So, and then, uh, we move into this portion with the Firefly, which I, I rather like this because this is, these actually, these ones here showcase Batman's exhaustion even more in him dealing with the Firefly and dealing with these fires across Gotham and having to like deal with, you know, like it, it, obviously being prepared to deal with the fire, but at the same time, like the toll it takes on his body, like, yes, he can wrap himself in like triple layers suits that can, that are flame retardant, but it's not, you know, it, it still takes a toll and he's not resting properly in between these, um, these forays into, into the darkness that is Gotham. And it's, it's really beginning to take it out of him now, especially this heat that's put on by, uh, by Firefly. And like, I just, I just love the, the flames in this, like the, the colors and the way that, you know, the fire, these panels that showcase the fire and the flames and these roaring infernos that are set by the firefly. Like, I mean, like, what do you guys make of this firefly section? So we'll just, we'll just go, uh, villain by villain now. So what do you guys think into the firefly stuff? Well, like, like you said, like, one of the few notes that I have for this section is that, like, firefly is such an insignificant villain, but like, this section lives rent-free in my head when I think of Nightfall, just because of the, the artwork, Norm Brayfogle again, the goat, but like, um, Adrian Roy, like, the colouring in this is doing work, like, oh, yeah. the, you feel the heat of the flames, just from the colouring, the shading, the positioning sometimes of the flames, like, it's just, it's such a well, it all comes together, but the colouring I think is doing the most work in this, and it, you really feel the heat of this in this and the uh, the other Firefly I'm, section. I'm I'm I read this in print, and like normally there's like I mean like because if you if you're reading like the newer digital version of this, normally like I I find between print and digital, especially with these older comics, the colours are way more intense, hmm. um, and that's. Yeah. largely because of the you know like the, the print paper and everything else and i think i think that's like a symptom of maybe they um intensified the cover colors to deal with that and also the fact that at the time uh when they were printing these they wouldn't have had it wouldn't they wouldn't have been able to print in the palettes they can print in now um but in the way that the flames are drawn in this and just just the the way that like these these panels here with the fire and and these beautiful colors these hues where batman is is like you know hoisted over these infernos and and obviously the whole thing is lit by the fire and like it's turning me into a pyromaniac it's like, <laughs> honestly it's gorgeous absolutely gorgeous like um did you enjoy this section here ray yeah i actually really like this section because um, like you've already explained why the colors are so good, and like you said, uh, on the digital editions, they really pop off the the screen. It looks incredible. Um, but it's also the issue where, like, it reminds you that Batman's really stubbornly refusing any help because he feels like he's the only one that knows them. And I like that it takes the time to reiterate that. But it also 
takes the time to show that he's taking as much of a break as he knows that he can afford. Like, you know, we see him, um, like, head back home and take a shower but refuse to go to sleep and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, I think yeah. those are really good moments um, just I mean, to, to sell the intensity of it. He faces off against the Cavalier, who sh- totally shops at the same clothes places as Bird. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got more of that TV stuff with the um, the the book, the guy pushing his book again. Mm. Um, and it's... <laughs> Hang on, but also the fact that he didn't stop Firefly. Like yeah. it's he let he let him get away, and he has to like figure that out. Like it's another problem because he couldn't solve it in the moment. Yeah, and like it's just another way of selling how like in on any other day when he was fully rested, that would never have happened. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. It's like the worst week ever for Batman, isn't it? Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then like um, so, Leon. I mean, what do you make of the Firefly stuff? Yeah, I like it. I- not to repeat what you guys said, but yeah, the color palette's cool. I think that the frame composition there is, is really cool as we see sort of the theme park on fire. Mm. And I really like the Peter Parker energy Robin has yeah. with his panels here. Where we see him at home uh, and then we see him like basically web-slinging throughout, throughout the town and he's doing detective work on his own, which is nice to see. Yeah, and it, it, it's this isn't an, an issue, and where things are really coming together in the various different factions who are part of this. So I, I do like the build up that that we get with this, and then leading to the showdown at, at the end, which is um, like well rendered with these like overlapping panels which I always like yeah. but yeah uh, ultimately i quite enjoyed his stuff yeah and then uh we we have is this the bit where you also get that little bit of robin lying to his friends as well mm. the the yeah. lying's the part of this job the only part of this job i hate yeah that's that's some peter parker stuff right there and <laughs> uh the um the the duck <laughs> with, with the ventriloquist he's got like he's putting on a puppet show for this lawyer um <laughs> with the duck and a cop and then um we've got like um the riddler who it's like it's basically showcasing as well all these changes going on in gotham like the the old guard are almost getting phased out because the riddler's trying to plan a crime and his dudes are getting increasingly impatient waiting for him to plan the crime and they're all just like you know like why have we got to send these riddles why can't we just go and rob the place <laughs> <laughs> and I love this kind of like little insurrection of them turning on on him and and like basically at this point like how second fiddle is the Riddler you know and he's supposedly one of the more dangerous ones mm. and like it, it's almost like the Riddler's just out hunting for attention um, and then in the next issue this is where Ivy turns up so we've got more Firefly um, and more uh, and so now some Ivy um, this one's a Jim Aparo one and again like jim's paneling with the 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 flames is like yeah like exactly as good and the looks on like some of the some of the ways that jim does like the looks on people's faces in this book and and the way that he gets the um the exhaustion across with bruce wayne and there's just this one page that i absolutely adore because i think i was talking to you guys about it where um He's looking himself in the mirror and he's having this conversation with himself about whether or not he's going to go to this party. 
uh, with Alfred in the room. And it's like, it's, it's that conversation you have with yourself every day before work. (laughs) (laughs) That, that page has one of my favorite lines in the entire book in it, where it's just um, Alfred leaving the room and he's just like, I shall awaken you as late as possible. <laughs> like, I think about that line so much whenever I'm like really tired. You know those times when you're like in your early 20s and like yeah. you've been invited out to this party. You like yeah. it's the third night in a row that you've been invited out and you're, you're absolutely shattered. And you're like, I'll just take a nap and then I'll fucking go out to the club. All right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and Pro- uh, I whatever gets you through the day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In one mask or another, I have to be there. And he just face plants the bed. It's like the animation of him face planting the bed as well. Like Bruce Wayne face planting a bed. <laughs> it's like a moody teenager. It's brilliant. Um, and yeah, and then we've got basically uh, the, the the turning up of, of Poison Ivy. And uh, this is... Um, be- so we've now got the scare- the Scarecrow and the Joker are in the mayor's office making the mayor call people um, to to give the cops the runaround all over the town, basically, um, to various points where there's various various things rigged up to explode. Um, it's a proper Joker scheme um, with a little bit of Scarecrow thrown in because obviously he's using the Scarecrow's fear, um, the Scarecrow's fear toxin to kind of like coerce the the mayor and to control the mayor and get him to do him what he wants to do um again these two are just it's like the total energy of dogs chasing cars like madness is as madness is want to do and especially with these two um it, it's that real unfocused like if you you get the feeling that if these two had had a little bit more focus uh if the screws had been a little tighter like they could have, they could have given Bane a run for his money in in the whole kind of grand scheme of things. Hmm. Um, but they're not interested in Bane. They don't. Uh, you don't really understand what they're interested in. That's the point. I know that the Scarecrow just wants to continue his experiments and continue making fear serum, um, and perfecting his recipe. But like Joker, Joker's just interested in chaos, which is great, and it's just pure Joker energy. Uh, and you've got this brilliant panel of um, the Scarecrow eating crisps. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favourites. His mask pulled half up, which is kind of like a little bit of Rorschach having a tin of beans thing going Mm. on. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, so like this whole bit with Ivy turning up at the party and um, this is also the issue where Bane kind of like lets slip that he has deduced that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Um, which I love the idea of that. I love I love how he comes to that conclusion that he's observed him enough to come up with that. And you feel like, well, it's it was such a simple thing. Like, why? How have none of Batman's enemies? How has nobody else ever observed him enough to 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 come to that conclusion? Like, yeah. <laughs> and and again, this is this is like Apero's work with faces and 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 like the way he manages to to get that that kind of animation and that exhaustion in and that that level of expression into people's faces in this book is just incredible um and then yeah ivy is doing the ivy thing where she's controlling people using specific plants that she's placed on every table of the party and uh we've got this whole bit with um again we're getting we're getting some more Jean-Paul Valley here so what we're getting now is we're getting Little little hints, more hints of of John Paul Valley's like inability to control himself 
in the way that he's dealing with these these hoods who um have decided they're going to try and break into a warehouse um because the whole city's a mess and they're like well if we're going to do it we're going to do it now they're being like opportunistic about it and he's he's a little bit brutal um and yeah batman versus ivy's thugs um some of the faces that ivy pulls throughout this as well like yeah, i like that they're reintroducing like more big hitters like yeah. big beefy guys um like you know we got amygdala at the start and everything and like leading up to bane and just really testing whether he's going to be able to handle it um the only other note i have against this issue is uh <laughs> lol a panther bites his helmet yeah because <laughs> like... yeah, they have the, they, yeah they have the fight in the um in the um is it this one where they have the fight yeah they do he has they have the fight in the um in the zoo don't some they? sort of zoo yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. like because the dialogue is always so self-serious and that's a very like Batman in a monologue thing is always dramatic and self-serious, but like just the, the image of it really made me laugh because it's couldn't take it seriously. Oh no, no. The zoo's the next one. The zoo's burning questions. Oh, I see. Sorry. Yeah, jumping ahead a bit. Yeah. Yeah. The, the zoo, but that's a great bit. Yeah. The zoo, the zoo with the, uh, the fight and he has to take on the panther. Um, mm. but yeah, the, the stuff with the zoo is where Batman finally catches up to, um, the firefly again, and uh, obviously the firefighters are on strike because it's Gotham. Uh, <laughs> well, also because of the madness that um, yeah. Joker and um, the Scarecrow are putting, making yeah. the mayor do. They're yeah. making everyone like all of the uh, different, um, Yeah, uh, I was going to say branches of government, all of the different uh, civil servants yeah. um, just up in arms. They're all running around in circles while yeah. the city burns. Yeah. So. And it's it's because of Joker and... and uh, the scarecrow kind of like messing with the mayor. And then, uh, so all this, uh, TV stuff is about to come to a head. Um, because, uh, the, um, the guy who's hocking his book, um, I'm saying, and so are you, um, Flanders Simpson. <laughs> um, is, is it Simpson Flanders or Flanders Simpson? Which way round is that? Simpson Flanders, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's on not Sally, Jesse, Raphael. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's my <laughs> What what is it? Something Rodolfo oh. uh, Cassie Josie Rodolfo, yeah. That's it, yeah. <laughs> um Cassie, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, so he's he's uh, he turns up on TV, the Riddler does, after being shunned by his own gang, uh to try and he's like, Well, you know what, I'm gonna do the riddles anyway. <laughs> Even because they're gonna rob the post office, but I'm gonna do the riddles anyway. So he goes to the uh, he goes to the TV station. He decides to hold everyone hostage with a fake bomb, uh, <laughs> and uh, you've got this whole. Um, I love I love this this bit for the fact that this is like this guy coming unstuck with the I'm saying and so are you thing, like in the face of of one of these actual uh, criminals, like one of, in the face of the criminally insane, one of these people from Arkham, he actually kind of just crumbles a little bit and mm. realizes that maybe he's wrong <laughs> <laughs> and and you know he can't help some people i guess um and yeah the, the panther stuff with uh batman's is like triple no suit or whatever um some great work here as well with um batman kind of like there's this whole there's this bit where it's like batman is uh jumping down or across and uh, you've got it spread over three panels and you've got this large Batman figure just kind of across three panels. 
Mm. Um, and then obviously he manages to catch um, and bring down the uh, the Firefly. Um, Firefly suspended over this, uh, this this pit of alligators. Is that when he's doing the Olympic dive? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, you've got um, you've got like. Uh, thingy on top of uh, basically Robin takes down the Riddler, but he does it in a really um, what is people think is a really careless way with the fast acting epoxy. Hmm. Um, Huntress makes an appearance briefly. She kind of like turns up for a couple of pages. Um, In in, in 1993, I was with the hoods that she's fighting. I'm like, who the hell is this? That's not bad girl. No, it's Huntress. It's Huntress. (laughs) <laughs> um more on Huntress next time I think. But mm. um because I still don't know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> she's one of the uh the sort of like the other vigilantes family. That in Gotham. Yeah, she's a, she's right, right. her whole family were killed by mafia or something like that. Or she's ex maf she's part of a yeah, mafia yeah. family. She was kidnapped as a child and raised like, by the mafia. Well no, she was kidnapped by a child and then like raped by a rival Don or something really grimdark like that. Hmm. I think is the, the, uh, the, the origin story we're going with for this version of Huntress, which kind of like speaks to you about the state of grimdark comics <laughs> in the, uh, the late eighties, early nineties kind of stuff. Like when, when things we, we were coming out of, I guess the, uh, the dark age of comics, uh, hmm. when they were doing stuff like that. Um, just fridging people left, right, and center. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah. So Batman is like truly exhausted by this point. Like the fire has just completely taken it out of him, and we've got this page of him just, just like you can see the worry lines on his mask. Uh, <laughs> he's just, he's completely just had it. He's like sitting there, just like who will stand between Gotham and Bane? Who? Mm. And then uh, we've got this wonderful cover of Batman sweating bullets. Up on fear gas, punching Joker in the face with the ghost of Jason Todd in the background, and uh, that's when <laughs> says we move, it all really. Yeah, that's when we move on to one of my favourite issues, which is Die Laughing. Definitely. Um, now, the coolest thing about Die Laughing is Jim Aparo's work here with the apparitions of the fear gas and the way that they draw. I mean, like, first of all, I love Jim Aparo's design for the scarecrow but this is where i was going to come on to the aparo versus norm brayfogel thing because i don't think anybody else could have drawn this but jim aparo Hmm. and like there's a special kind of intensity that aparo brings with his work which is edges more on the side of realism the anxiety and the fear and the panic that he manages to inject into each page with this and like in in the faces of some of the characters here and you can see clearly that he is someone who has worked for EC comics on horror titles. Like his, his, he, he did like, he did some work on horror titles and things like that. He worked for EC comics, um, at one point. And this is where it starts to shine through in the way that he does, like in the work that he does here. Um, and his style is great for bat for this Batman story because he manages to capture the twisted madness in each shadow perfectly without losing the silver age shine and going too far. It's like just enough darkness, but it's still a cape book. Hmm. And like, it's like escalation from 
it, also like this is this is the point now where we've gone we've gone full escalation from lowest to highest threat so now we're up against the uh, the joker and the scarecrow batman's most dangerous foes until bane walked on the scene um and yeah this is all the stuff with the mayor coming to a head so we've got explosions we've got the bridge the explosion on the bridge um and like some awesome awesome onomatopoeia work here with the shum with a bunch of rocks falling and i just think that looks beautiful with the green into the yellow and like the like i love the way that they that in especially in these books in these the the, the onomatopoeia is like so on point in stylization and the way that the, the the fonts are styled to fit the noise that's happening and even even uh colored appropriately hmm. and it's just like you can just you can hear joker's shrieking laugh because it's in bright pink and it's just everything about it is just everything about this issue is fantastic this is like the this is the point now where it starts to get really 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 intense and all those explosions are so impactful because of that. Yeah. A hundred percent. You feel every single one. Yeah, you do. And I don't I think, think any, anybody but Aparo could have drawn this at all. I think my favorite piece of onomatopoeia in this is when um, the Joker pushes the crisps into Scarecrow's face and it's just blish. You, yeah. you, can, hear the, you can hear the crisps breaking against his face in that onomatopoeia. It's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, Ray, where where are you at with this one? Because this is this is where it starts to get really intense, and this is the bit that I was probably most excited for you to read. Yeah, I think this is where I started, like, because um, previously I think I was not not necessarily skimming the book, but I was like reading it relatively quickly because I knew there was a lot to get through, and this is the point where I started slowing down and realizing the like the action was ramping up. Um, speaking of onomatopoeia, I love how like how much Joker's just teasing the mayor, like, cause he knows that anything that he describes will then be envisioned, uh, when he's under the venom, um, or sorry, under the, uh, the scarecrow's, uh, gas or whatever. Yeah. And like, he's, he's shaking like, um, rattlers to make him think of snakes and like giving really <laughs> vivid descriptions of snakes and stuff. I thought that was really, that's a very Joker cruel thing to do. Um, and it's, I, I love towards the end where it's like, uh, uh Batman gets infected by the fear toxin and all it does is spur him on. And like, he's pummeling Joker while he's screaming Jason Todd's name aloud. Um, and that's his external thing. It's just like, uh, uh, you know, manifesting as violence, but inside he's like waxing poetic about Jason Todd's death. Mm. And I just thought that that whole sequence, uh, was super interesting and super like got me into his headspace. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I mean like up to this point now through the whole thing, my opinion is you can totally see, like as we discussed in the last episode we did, that the original aim was to kill Bruce Wayne in this story and not merely oh. to break him. Because like from the setup and from the rise and the fear toxing towards the end, conjur- conjuring images of Jason Todd, feeding his anger, showcasing all his failures, um, his greatest failure at this point as well, the death of Jason. And like his career up to this point being showcased in in these you know his rogue his entire rogues gallery start to finish um and like he's running on fumes but the fear almost gives him a second wind because it just it all it does is is inspire his anger like you said it just it just gives him a second wind and and there's just something about the way aparo renders those fear toxic apparitions like throughout this this book actually where that appears and the design of the scarecrow and like this is his horror comic stuff bleeding through again but it's just 
like you can tell like in the way that they've weakened him and in what he's done up to this point so far and how he's fought and, and how things are going and the crumble and the way Gotham's going, like the intention was to kill him. Like not completely, but you know, like take him out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just like, it's it's, it's insane. And, um, I'm just so like, I almost feel like, I wish they had killed him just to see what would have happened and how they would have dealt with it and brought him back. Um, and it's this point of like the, the fact that, you know, this is so in it, like there's something so much more permanent and harrowing about the way they did it in this though, rather than killing him, there's just something so much more brutal, which we're going to come on to now. Cause we're going to start discussing this next section. And like in contrast to the period of mourning and the grand funerals and the chance to say goodbye that we're given with Superman's death, almost a mythic end to a prominent member of a pantheon of gods. Batman isn't a god. Batman's a single mortal man ascended to mythic status upon his deeds and the idea that he created. He's an urban legend. Like I've already said, he's more feared than celebrated. His forging is more brutal and unforgiving. Like Metropolis and Gotham for me sit like Hades and Olympus. And this is no more evident than when we compare the death of Superman to the breaking of the bat and to this lead up here. And we're seeing all of these torments and trials of Batman. And and that, for me, just comes across like so perfectly, especially in these two issues here, like with uh, with 662, um, with with like Detective Comet 663, which is the one with the cover with the rats on it, where Batman has been swept through the sewers, like trying, you know, like his last act of you know, his last heroic act is to save the mayor of Gotham and it took it all out of him. It completely finished him off. And like, I mean, where, where are you guys at with that now? Like, so, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get Leon first this time, actually. Uh, yeah, I think this is instrumental in showing us the breaking of say his will through heroism because Batman's so determined and almost like quickly self-sacrificial ready to run in the burning buildings and stuff knowing that he's not at 100% and I think the harrowing bit with the mayor and trying to get the mayor out and using all of his strength to open the um, the uh, the the hatch to get them out of there like you just because at that point he's underwater so he can't talk really so it's all in a monologue and he's just seething at bane the whole time and that is almost like the sole thing the sole line of the of determined action really that gets him out for it because no rest for the wicked is an issue mostly spent with Batman now reflecting on all of these things that have broken down and weakened him in these previous issues and things are really coming to a head. And I think that these set of pages are, they're really, I think that they make everything feel organic 
in 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 the run up to this end. And I know it's only like half of that issue, half of that issue, but it is really striking that part because especially like following on from the previous issue where you've got just explosions everywhere and and you had Batman on a series of pages where it's just in a monologue on a matapia punches and him screaming Jason uh, <laughs> it's um it's striking to have him not not really being able to scream in the same way instead he's just talking himself mm. throughout the process until he gets out and ends up getting himself crushed so it's it's all it's like it's all preview for what's going to happen and as we see him like have to formulate new strategies to take out the upper rogues like Bane's number twos number ones and number twos we're seeing that little elements of of this of things that he's just about working on these guys because he's so determined to get to the end mm. but you can see already that he's maxed out and all these little previews for how Bane fights, his ways out aren't going to help him. He's not going to be able to use smoke bombs when he's getting bear crushed or anything like that. Yeah. He's not, he's like, he's not going to have it all. And like, in a way he's expelling just everything at this point and not, not realizing, or I guess realizing and having no option, knowing that he's going to have to take on Bane and he's going to be, well weaker completely spent and like this is just um like the art in this one as well like because this is graham nolan um mm. with scott hannah on inks and like this is like such beautiful like the the underwater scenes like there's this one panel where batman is kind of like diving and doing uh like front crawl underwater with his rebreather in and like, I just love that panel so much. It's just so gorgeous with the greens and the underwater, like in the river water and everything. And the, the, uh, the intensity of, of like, you know, the whole, the whole situation and the, like the intensity in, in Batman's kind of like actions here, where he's like trying to open the, open the hatch to get the mare out. And then, Bullock figuring the mayor for dead <laughs> with, uh, you know, just, just saying like Bullock doing what Bullock does and just being a complete brute. Um, and it's just, it's just gorgeous. All of it. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and then obviously at the end of this issue, we get the gauntlet and, uh, we've also got the, um, so as, as a side, side part to this story, we've also got the, the, uh, the ventriloquist reunited with Scarface. And like, there's this whole thing as well with the, with Batman kind of like trying to steal some sleep um, mm. on top of a building and these, the birds turning up and just, you know, like it's so calm and serene and like almost as if he's ready for death kind of thing. Like this is it. This is the end. And then you see that hand reach over and grab him. And there's just such this, this ending energy to it. This whole, this whole thing that this is the crux of it. This is where it all, it all comes to a, comes to a head. And, and like the breaking of the bat is not simply what Bane does to Batman. 
in the issue that that follows this. The breaking of the bat is what begins here. In fact, the breaking of the bat has already begun. The breaking of the bat started in prelude to nightfall. It's now, you know, it's now done. This is this is it. This is this is where this is the crescendo. So we've got this uh, this gauntlet that he runs with Bane's men, with with Trog first of all. Uh, and then this is where you've got like another rib going, like a wet snap in my side has to be a rib, you know, <laughs> as if he's got any mm-hmm. ribs left at this point. And uh, he manages to take down Trog with the gas. And then uh, he comes, he barely survives that. And then he comes up against uh, zombie. Um, he's managed, he manages to best zombie using, using his wits, using his cape. Um, and then, uh, Actually, that's delightful, actually. That is a delightful little bit of slapstick there where he uses his cape to trick Zombie and then grabs his ankles from behind and makes him face plant. <laughs> I do enjoy that. And then, uh, you know, it just at this point as well, he gives a smile. Like, he's got like a... He gets like a little bit of a little bit of joy out of that because it felt good. Apparently. He says it feels good in his inner monologue. And it's it's almost as if like oh he's got like a little bit of a, a little bit of second wind behind him now and then he comes up against bird and he encounters some difficulty here against the rod stewart lookalike because um he's 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 fight but obviously like you know bird is is quite a handy a handy guy handy hantan combatant and he's giving a giving Batman some trouble. And then Batman has completely lost it at this point. He's screaming as he's punching Bird. He's like, Bane, well, who is he? What does he want? Answer me. You know, I, I guess he would answer you if he had any teeth left, Batman. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like what, like, so let's, let's pick apart the gauntlet a little bit more. Cause I feel like this is a bit that needs discussion. So Marv, what do you, what about you and the gauntlet here? Well, with the gauntlet, like, there's, there's not a super large amount that I could add uh, more than what you've said. Um, I will jump back quickly to um, uh, Joker in in the tunnels because yeah. one of the things that I love about that again, um, uh, well trod uh, well trod road. We've already talked about that, but what I like about that section is that it's like a perfect fusion of the two halves of Joker. Like um, more so, I was going to say as much as, but more so than uh, you get in the Dark Knight because mm-hmm. it's like super fun loving i'm just an agent of chaos joker but also i've got the me- i've got the the layout of these tunnels memorized scarecrow like don't worry i know where all the escape hatches are i've got rocket launchers set up this is a plan that i have it's organized chaos so it's like it's just a brilliant little snippet of the best of joker like you know yeah. prime joker yeah. so i love that part of it and obviously um you know the jason todd stuff brilliant um one thing I love about the escape from the tunnels, like that 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 page that you mentioned with um, uh, Bruce swimming with the rebreather, um, it it made me loop back to Venom. Yes, because it's because it's like a, he, he even has like I don't know if it's a purposeful illusion, but obviously you have like Batman trying to lift the boulder to save the little girl in Venom, and like his internal monologue there is like Kroll sounds scared. He's not really a weak man. He's a fairly strong one, pushed beyond his limits. I ignore mine, and that's a separate panel on its own for that line. And it just makes me think, you know, someone about to drown underwater, Batman having to use his wits and his strength to get him out of it. It's almost like we've looped back to square one in this whole saga. And you know, he ain't going to let it happen a second time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I love that. But with the gauntlet itself. Um, I do love that it is, um, you know, strength, 
um, skill and speed. It's like these three separate tests before yeah. he gets to Bane. And and what was it I said earlier? Because uh, we were talking, I, I I mentioned something about this earlier when we were chatting, like prior to the show, and I said it's like when. Uh, when you get bad guys show up, like a new group of bad guys show up in a shonen anime, hmm. <laughs> and they've all got like <laughs> like a gimmick or something, and it's like they all—it's the showcase, as it were. <laughs> um, so yeah, so moving on from the gauntlet, a tired, battered, defeated Batman makes it back to the cave, and he's like, notices something. There's something off. There's the, the pit of my stomach goes at this point because this is this is the bit where like when I'm reading this, I I. You know, the nausea's there, and I'm like, oh, shit. Because he's back at, at, where's Alfred? Where's Alfred? We're back at the cave. Where's Alfred? The fact that he has just thrown a dressing gown over the the costume and has Mm. gone back into Wayne Manor in the Batman costume, like sacrilege, things he would fire a Robin for. He just yeah. doesn't. He doesn't yeah. have the energy for secrecy anymore. Yeah, yeah. I also love that he's. You know, like when you're drunk on a night out and you suddenly find your way back home. Like, yeah. Like, I don't. I don't remember how I got back, but I somehow made it. He's like in that uh, exhausted drunk mode. Yeah, yeah, a fugue state. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, uh, Leon. What about you? What about you on this portion here? Yeah, it's. I think it's a great setup for the next issue because. Like I said before in my sort of rundown of the issue, it is it is basically all points have led to here now and it's it's such a violation on many levels. Like Marv said, it's a violation on Batman in Wayne Manor. Um and then secondly it's a violation on Bane just all out fully baned, just chilling in his hallway. <laughs> Yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> it, he's attacked Alfred at this point. Alfred's <laughs> down and out, and and Bane is just standing there, and he's just. And I love that final page with like that voice. It's him. It's you. <laughs> it's, it is you, uh, and it's just it's it's so ominous, and it it like the pit of my stomach just goes the minute Batman gets back to Wayne Manor because you know what's happened, and you know that he's let himself slip so far that Bane has managed to do this to him. Mm. And it's just so like this is the point where it just it just gets so harrowing and nauseating, like watching this happen, watching watching Batman's downfall drawn out. I mean, like the Superman one doesn't last this long. You know, <laughs> yeah, I was going to come yeah. back to that because we talked about that last episode. But it's it's so much better done here than it is in Death of Superman. So much, so violent, so drawn out, so intense and and, and, so, and and psychological as well yeah. more than just he got punched to death it's yeah. just it's a, a deconstruction of a man yeah it, it, it literally unbuilds the batman he literally mm. breaks him in he, he doesn't just break him physically but this is what we keep saying he breaks his soul he breaks mm. the idea of batman for all of gotham <laughs> and he just completely shatters the whole thing and and it's this is why i i feel that bane is actually you know one of the more the, the, the if not the most dangerous villain in Batman's Rogue Gallery, um, and you've got like this this whole. I mean, like you can you can understand how this became like the the. I mean, like they've never managed to adapt this fully into a movie. I would love them to. I really would, and mm. like 
you can you can see like when when you watch the dark knight rises you can like the inspiration this is uh, this book is clearly the the inspiration for the dark knight rises um i do wish that because in the book we earlier see that bane knows that bruce is batman and i wish kind of wish we didn't get that until this scene yeah because similarly in say to dark knight rises it is cool when bane just knows he's bruce wayne and we haven't had any setup of that so far yeah it it is chilling because there is a thing i still have with superheroes but where my whole life until like the mcu it was always such a thing their mask their secret identities mm. it made me feel sick if like yeah. someone found out and there was so much tension in comics and movies and tv shows and stuff mm. about people finding out that like having like his, his greatest foe now basically in his home is such a violation yeah. that if then it, that was the reveal that like yeah i know but but for us this has kind of been an inevitable build-up because we we've seen coming, yeah. so much of it batman's march mm. towards his grave and like this again this is another point where i almost wish like it had they had killed him for the impact killed him and brought him back somehow instead of um just leaving him broken i completely disagree with that i'm afraid yeah i think i think it works so much better having because purely for the fact that batman is just a man it is much more impactful for someone who works so hard to be at the peak of physical condition, to be the best a man can be while being a fundamentally mentally broken person, to be mentally and physically broken but left alive, than it would be for Batman to die and mm. go into a Kryptonian healing coma and yeah. come back and yeah. defeat I, his clone. I definitely <laughs> uh, vouch for this as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree, but like, I feel like what they originally wanted to do to kill him and bring him back, I can feel that, I can feel the original bones of that through what i'm reading now and i i I feel like out i I would want to see how they would do that Mm. and it's like the the intensity of it isn't isn't lost with with batman i want i want to walk back what i said actually because the intensity of it isn't lost with with batman merely being broken because that's the whole point of this isn't it Mm. um he's utterly destroyed he's not dead he's utterly destroyed like he may as well no longer exist, which is fantastic. But like, um, it's yeah. So we're moving now into, into the issue. We are now at Batman four nine seven, which is the issue with the, the, uh, the cover with, uh, Batman kind of like snapped backwards over Bane's knee. Uh, Bane, this, this hulking man, uh, just, glaring straight out of the cover at the reader and uh we come on to the issue broken bat uh the issue this is drawn by uh jim aparo and um it's just the exhaustion he manages to cram into bruce's face and when bruce comes out of from behind the grandfather clock and he finds alfred on the floor and he sees bane and they have the conversation uh with bane 
you know, talking about how Batman's mask no longer serves a purpose and how he knows who he is and, and the venom. And then you see the fear in Batman's eyes, the venom derivative, that one panel mm. the fear in Batman, the fear on Batman's face. Like he's so unprepared at this point. He's, he's, there's nothing left of him. He is nothing. He's, he's a man in a dressing gown. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and he fully doesn't comprehend his villain. Like yeah. he's like, you, you'd kill just to rule this city. Like he, he doesn't understand yeah. And then, like, Bane has to explain his philosophy to him. Yeah, mm. Bane's like, no, 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 no. I, 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 you know, I I want to prove I'm better than you kind of thing is the crux of it. And then Bane <laughs> sort of, like, pumps himself up and then we get the, the fight. Like, Batman's just like, okay, one more time. So whatever's left inside him, he musters it and he pulls the cowl on. And, like, before you carry on, I love the fact, like, the, the, the paneling, the structure, the page construction, because everything about this is set up to almost... I mean, even if you uh, are feeling the doom and you're like, okay, this is Superman versus Doomsday. This is the final fight where they both punch each other to death and Bane's going to come out of this with like one broken arm and a broken nose, but he's still going to win. Like, it's like Batman shaking off the dressing gown. He flips over the cowl. He jumps Mm. up one more time and you flip the page and boom, like he's nearly had his neck broken with one punch. It's whole, it's so defeating. Like as a reader, you look at this and you're like, oh fuck it's over it's over like yeah. any hope i had is gone this is done and this is it i i, I feel ill reading this sometimes like it's just <laughs> this is the, the 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 power this book has over me and the like it's just it's it's incredible like him do you see the the panel by panel you see batman's face changes he steals himself he pulls the hood over and then wham that's it bane just one strike sends batman flying and then throughout this this torturous beat down that batman's taking while alfred just has to watch um <laughs> we're getting like indispersed kind of like memories of batman like kind of like swimming in his own memories his again his life flashing before him as bane is like crushing him um but the sad part of that is it's not even his life it's like the last four days yeah exactly yeah <laughs> it's like it's like all of all of like his um you know like the breakout arkham um him dealing with the black mask and and all the things that we Ro- talked about Rahul's favorite enemy metalhead yeah <laughs> yeah metalhead. all the <laughs> things all the things that we've been that we went through and talked about in the in 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 our in our prelude episode uh with mm-hmm. the, you know venomized riddler um the the gangs where where he was you know and and where where there was like the huge gang war and he was at the in in the midst of all that all the while we've got this um his last words as it were almost this 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 inner monologue of batman like saying that he's he's all all worn out all strength stretched and sapped washed in weakness nothing but the mind's desperate urge to get off the floor and strike back and that panel where like batman a ma- like a man who punched guy gardner in the face and knocked him out a green lantern he, he punched this man in the sternum and he doesn't move like batman is done batman uh, he's a wisp he's he's a, a specter a phantom of a man and like even though the proportions are slightly wrong it's cinematically wrong bane is just yeah. entirely yeah. imposing for a reason so in that small. panel <laughs> yeah it's 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 like on like um fist of the north star levels isn't it <laughs> like, <laughs> it really is <laughs> 
But like, yeah, even when every uphill effort is wasted and futile, reality itself smashed and splintered like the rude death of an impossible dream. I love this monologue. I'm I'm going to have to like, oh. It's funny though, because Batman's a guy who like, he lives in his own head a lot and he's so self-serious, but also like he has a romance for his own deeds in some ways. Like it's kind of fitting that even in, what could possibly be his last moments. Like he, part of his energy is devoted to his own monologue and like he's being thrown down the stairs of the, the, you know, the, to the bat cave and like beaten up among his souvenirs that he like takes so much pride in. And like uh, uh, to go back to the touch point of like the Nolan films, like the only reason I really know this story is because of how everyone says that it's the inspiration for the Dark Knight Rises. And I didn't realize like how, like I, I thought that the the scene in that film where this moment occurs is fine. Like it's you know it's it's well crafted and whatever and it's iconic, but it's so much better living it like the violation, like as Leon said, like the violation of Bane coming into Wayne Manor and then kicking yeah. him down the stairs into the Batcave. Like that has so much more weight, and it makes me yeah. realize like they sometimes when they in these films they crib some really iconic like uh, aesthetics or you mm. know moments, but they're really missing a trick by not having that as part of it. Or at least like, I don't know. I was just really impressed by how, how impactful that felt in this yeah, comic. Definitely a hundred percent. And, and I, this is why I wanted you to read it, Ray. <laughs> precisely why I wanted you to read it and why I'm doing this, this series to, to highlight this book, because it's just incredible, incredible storyline, incredible work. Um, Yeah. And like just all, all the while these, this, this, monologue while batman's just getting like smashed to pieces in the cave by bane like and it's (laughs) bouncing him off of everything in the cave that means something to him exactly yeah (laughs) and and you know like batman going back through each one of the rogues that he's taken down at each point throughout the rest of this book and then like finally thrown against the cabinet where he keeps jason's uh, costume, the memorial to Jason Todd, and he he's, he's on the floor and kind of like coming back around from the punch, holding up Jason's mask. Jason, Robin, like can't give in, not now, no matter how hurt. Can't let him win. Can't surrender to the blessed relief of ending all, ending it all. And Alfred at this point has managed to make his way over to uh, to Tim to to ask Tim's for help ask Tim for help basically but at this point it's already too late batman is this torn tattered dis- just shell of a man doing all he can to hold bane off but there's just there's nothing he can't do anything bane is just toying with him at this point and we get this kind of like this this combo montage of punches and kicks um more of of batman helping people and being helped you know it gave it is all long ago all in a losing cause and i'm done with a final <laughs> swock just I am stalag- stalactites in his side just yeah oh, i know bane's just, just savage beating it is such a savage beating it really is i am bane and i could kill you but death would only end your agony and silence your shame Instead, I will simply break you. And that is that. That is Batman Broken. That is the iconic panel. One of my favourite panels in all comics. Bane 
bringing Batman down and, you know, smashing his spine against his knee with the, the, the earth shattering cracked. And the um, panels just splintered. Yeah. Oh my God. It's beautiful. And it's like, it's like shattered glass, isn't it? The panel with the edges. It's like, mm. oh, and this orange and this, this heat, this orange and red, this, this heat of this pain that comes out of the colors in this panel. And, and the fact that he brings Batman down, but also raises a knee instead of going down yeah, to his knees. I know. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. It's a flare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, it, oh. Like, I can't... I don't feel like anybody but Aparo could have drawn that. And and, give, and giving it that kind of, like... Because the, the whole thing as well, like, with Aparo being... The, the Batman artist that he was and, and all these other Aparo Batman stories that I, I've read and like up to this point, like you are seeing the death of your Batman, I guess it's the death of my, it, we, this is like the end of, I know he's not dead. He's just broken, but this is the end of my Batman. Like th- this is Aparo's Batman being snapped in half. It's like, Oh, <laughs> and then he's just the next page broken. He just drops him on the floor and done. <laughs> and like I said before to you, the, that that duft that duft has lived in my head for the whole of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar to me with the the, the spine shattering, cracked. <laughs> like that is just like I can f- I can hear it. I can hear the bone splinter. It's horrible. <laughs> and How's Batman that- is broken. And that is like when I first read that. Like and, and when you first read that, it, it it really does. It makes you feel like you feel it in your gut. It's horrible. Mm. And I mean, imagine being. Imagine they they tried to put. Imagine being there at the time and being a, being a, an avid Batman reader and not knowing what's coming and then seeing that. Imagine. And then you've got to wait like. For the next issue. <laughs> like imagine. Imagine that's that the thing. Like. I think this issue is near perfect. It's like the perfect culmination of everything that's happened to this point, but it trims all the fat from any of the previous issues, including the uh, the prelude. And that's what I really like here. It's it's so clean, and as we like following. Batman as he's just being like broken and reflect on the past all of it and all the hits the onomatopoeia everything that Bane says it all works in concert with each other Mm. so effectively that like I think this issue makes everything you've read up to this point worth it Hmm. exactly Um, so like and then moving from there which is the last issue that I wanted to cover, which brings us into the end of this episode and also the beginning of the next section of uh, Batman Nightfall, which would be um, the which would be Who Rules the Night, hmm. uh, and this is Detective Comics six six four. Great cover. Uh, yep, great cover. Batman uh, Bane holding Batman's limp and lifeless body, um, and. Bane holding Batman's limp and lifeless body inside the cover above the city, throwing Batman down like 
just just you know like presenting you know presenting the broken body of batman to all of gotham and batman is no more i have destroyed him i rule these streets i rule gotham and with that he he releases batman's body here is your hero your protector take him and bury him this is like bane having his kind of like you know this is your king your king is dead i am mm. now your i am now your ruler and and throwing batman to the floor and batman just lying this 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 full page of batman lying limp and lifeless and and people recoiling in horror but there's there's that one guy wearing the backwards red baseball cap who's smirking <laughs> with a lit cigarette yeah and it's just like there's just something so unceremonious about it and something so like just, it, just it, horrific it's, and, it's, and gut-wrenching about it it's just so so horrible and and uh, i think this is where we're going to end the episode because this is this just i only wanted to cover this issue at this episode, for at this that point image. episode purely for that image yes yeah like, same I mean, same <laughs> the next the next part of the issue we can cover next time because that's when you know the recovery begins and we get um the uh the the, the ambulance turns up which of course is is actually tim and uh Jean Paul and Alfred. Jean Paul and Alfred in disguise, yeah, just to to take Batman's broken body away and get him back to the cave to try and to try and help him. And just the, the just the horror of Batman being thrown to the floor, just like this whole like Bane has truly taken Gotham. Hmm. Bane has truly broken the bat. And no, but, uh, but like the, sorry, I, I'm probably jumping ahead. I I finish your sentence. That's it. <laughs> no. That's it. His ribs are sticking out of his of his suit. This is what I was gonna say. Like this this image, this image, this full page image feels like the mission statement for the entire story. Like yeah. the reactions of the crowd, the, the the varied reactions. You know, you've got that old man looking in wonder. Like you said, you've got that street hood. He's probably got a couple of broken bones from like one time that Batman roughed him up five years ago. Like ah, now you get yours. You've got like the baby crying. The 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 black guy at the top of the page just out of his mind. Like how can this happen to my hero? The woman just in tears with her back turned but like batman is just all impossible angles he's got ribs sticking out like his abdominal muscles are wrapped around to his fucking sides like that one leg that is just turned so much that it hurts to look at it's it's such a powerful image like if this was the last um you, like you were saying my my book is split into two halves if this was the last page that you saw in the first half i'd be distraught it should be the last page absolutely that you see in distraught. the first half. It should absolutely be the last page that you see in the first half, which is why I've chosen to end this episode here. And yeah. Not... <laughs> but yeah, it's like... I'm so glad for that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just it's like, if I if I was, if we were doing the, the Greg cut of, of Nightfall part one, it would end on this page. <laughs> like chapters and issues, whole issues be damned. You know, I would just cut it there because that's, that's where it needs to end. That is the broken bat. That is Batman being thrown down through the, into into the pit of demons by satan presiding over it all kind of thing you know that's it that's the broken bat and it's it's harrowing and it's gut-wrenching and it's just we will this is where we will pick up next time and this is where we will continue to uh to discuss uh the breaking of batman um any final words on uh from ray and leon regarding this panel we'll go with ray first 
Um, I, I, I can't really add much to what you guys have said about that specific panel. Super harrowing. I love that it gets, you know, we get a full page view of this uh, this thing. But I wanted to talk about the page before where, like, Bane throws him onto the top of what I can only imagine is a Bob Kane art museum. I think that's a cool nod. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Right? And I love that he gets kind of like, for as serious as this all is, Bane doesn't throw him directly off the roof onto the ground. He sort of like, he gives him a, a like a Chinese martial arts uh, fall where he yeah. like drops onto a canopy and then onto another canopy and then onto the floor. Like I just, I don't know. I thought that was some cool touches. Uh, I don't really know what to make of it. I just thought the, yeah. the kineticism of it is cool. Yeah. Feels very like Hollywood or like movie like. It's incredible. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, that is, that is the end of uh, <laughs> Batman Nightfall part one. Um, Leon, you got anything, anything to add? I'll just echo what you guys all said. I actually really like the panel right before that one, um, where it's him held up over over the city. I love how theatrical that is, yeah. and how ridiculous and comic book it is. It, it's um, it's like ancient Greece or something. Like, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's Sparta. Yeah. Well, I mean, like this is this is Bane getting his Killmonger mar- moment. Yeah, but it's really good perspective as yeah. well because, like, you get of the, the city street from like peeking between like Batman's body and Bane's head and stuff mm. like it's, yeah, it's really well well laid out well yeah. I got I got more to say on this on next episode but yeah. Bane's a bitch yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean we are going to pick up we are going to pick up on this uh, next episode and rest assured dear listener Bane gets his <laughs> but, and he is indeed a bit of a bitch but, yeah. but, <laughs> but, but even even without alluding to that stuff yet just over the course of everything we've read so far, Bane's a bitch. But I'll go into more detail next episode. I mean, okay. uh, just as as the newcomer to it, like I think I agree, and I think I know why. Like the fact that every all of this is all of this effort to weaken him to a point where he can break Batman. Like if he wasn't such a bitch, he would be facing him head on. But that's mm. that's my point so far, and we'll see where it goes. I don't yeah, know. That, that is that is the one thing is that like it's a it's a genius plan. It's a plan that like none of the other Arkham inmates and whatever have have ever come up with to like loose the hordes against him to weaken him to the point that he can be taken out. But at the same time, it's like if you're such a badass, you could just walk in and do this on day one. Why would you need to make him run such a <laughs> an, such an extensive yeah. gauntlet and then and then lord it up as if. You did this I think all you did it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. But again, also like bringing, like bringing Batman again back to that almost mythic status. Like what it takes to bring the Batman down. This is what mm. it takes to bring the Batman down. Like, and and I, and I, I guess I suppose it's um that that uh, the old meme of like Batman can take out any enemy if he's given prep time. It's like Bane took out his prep time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah that's how bane took down batman and this is what it takes to bring the batman down this is the amount of comics we've read up to this point and and this is it, it took all of that to bring the batman down like hmm. that's that's how much will and like strength of character batman has because even if his body was giving way at, at one at, you know at one point his body had given way but his mind was still on it and it's just the whole thing is just like just an incredible amount of suffering and yeah it's like the the darkest hour of the bat this is true hell this is this has been a masterpiece in execution and and nothing else comes close to making you feel the drama and loss with every blow that lands and he's not dead but it feels more 
like more than death of a man. It is the death of the spirit of the soul of the ideal that is Batman. Uh, he's just left to fall like to this ungrateful city, a man who gave everything for the city he loved, left bloodied on the streets. So on, a man smirks. It's just so much painful and so much more rustier and so much more unforgiving than simply death. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, um, and that that's where we will leave it. And we will pick up on that exact panel next time with Batman lying broken in the street. Uh, that has been Batman Nightfall Part 2. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed that. And if you want to join the discussion, if you're reading Nightfall along with us, uh, please um, get involved to let us know what you think. And uh, we hope to bring you Batman Nightfall Part 3 sometime in the uh, near future. Um, this time with Part 3, we will be going into the, um, the, the section of the story called Who Rules the Night? Um. And, uh, yeah, so that has been Ace Comicals. You can find us at www.acecomicals.co.uk, which, uh, it's not .co.uk, is it? It's .com. How long have I been doing this? Whose website is that? <laughs> it's acecomicals.com, uh, where you can find pretty much everything we do and everywhere we are is, is all on this page. Uh, any, anywhere you can listen to us anywhere. We are available to listen on pretty much anything you can listen to podcasts on. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Ace Comicals, which is where we're most active. That's our biggest social media outlet. Um, get in touch at us, DM us, uh, you know, just, just get involved with the conversation. Uh, Leon, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Leon Everett. And Ray, where can we find you? Also on Twitter at Monkey M O O N K E H. Um, Marvin, where can we find you? On Twitter, at Marvin Lafayette. And uh, as many episodes as I've guested on, I should really start specifying that it's Marvin with a Y, not an I. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also on Instagram, MarvLafayette84. Yes. And uh, yeah, thanks again for Marv uh, for joining us for this uh, night, this epic, epic nightfall breakdown that is going to last for the rest of this year, I believe. Uh, <laughs> Because we are going to do this and we're going to do it properly, Marv. We're going to give it the love it deserves. Because <laughs> I think I think this comic has lived, uh, especially for me and you, this comic has lived in our minds rent-free for long enough. Exactly. For, for, for as long as we've had imaginations, this has taken up our imagination. Yes, exactly. And and every drunken conversation we've ever had about these books is now is now becoming a podcast. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, thank you for joining us today, everybody. That is uh, Ace Comicals, over and out. <laughs>